I'm not going to say everybody's on board with it, but we're also not lighting couches on fire and flipping cars or anything over it. Hello, welcome back to Michigan's own Bestman Benchwarmers podcast. I'm your host, Alex Merrill, and here today, as is usual, is Matt Corser. Hello, how's everybody doing? And uh, Cody Wood. Go blue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of things happened in the past four weeks because I had to rewrite this podcast like four times. So that is why things has been a bit since we've last published an episode. But, you know, the whole world basically fell apart in X-Wing. So we wanted to put out a podcast that has actual decent content and points instead of just gut reactions and all that kind of stuff. So now we're recording it now. Um, and our topics for today uh, would just be the concept of sideboarding as shown in uh, Crate Cup and how that's a interesting format to do. And also all the new rules that's been added in the past two weeks. I mean, it's 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 the fantasy crate cup online, right? Not crate adjacent cup. <laughs> and then it was enough of a hit that Hexio did sort of replicate it as well for their wild space open. I think is what it is. Yeah, that actually looks really awesome. It's starting soon. Yeah, I got to sign up for that. It's uh, too late. It, yep. Oh man, I'm so bad at life. Only okay. fifty. Only fifty people. And uh, you, you signed up, right, Cody? Yeah, don't worry. The worst person on our crate team signed up to represent <laughs> us. I was thinking about that, too. Like, Alex and I all only lost one game. And then somebody lost two games. And, of course, you guys lost games on different ones. So. <sighs> so sad. Or like three and two right now. What? Two, two and two. two? With two sweeps and two one and twos. <laughs> Perfect. Couldn't get any closer to being good without being good. Yeah, especially since the cuts only three and ones. Yep. <laughs> uh, but anyways, as we're kind of spoiling what we're going to talk about uh, in Crate Cup, you can sideboard things, and that's really cool. So the concept of sideboarding in X-Wing, uh, how the crates are doing it, at least, is uh, you just bring your pilots and then you see your opponent's list of uh, pilots, and then you fill your upgrades after that, and then you play. Yeah, they're using the black box format, which is only they're only letting you use ships that have been released for second edition. Right. And all the upgrades have, just limited the ships that have been yeah, released. Not, not all the upgrades. They don't well, want like degenerate stuff like Sense and Supernatural. <laughs> they also have a ban list. Yes. Yes. Which <laughs> I'm all on board for. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's anything that alters your movement before your dial or looks at your opponent's dial. No. Yep. Or changes your opponent's dial. Changes your opponent's dial. Looks at or changes. Yeah, because there's no Cassian, I believe, either. And also um, ensnare because uh, F. they yeah. hate me. They hate they hate fun times. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yes, this is a super cool concept that I am super about because I like it a lot. I mean, the question is, though, can we actually do this in live play? Yeah, that's the in, like, problem, right? I don't even know how this would be feasible at this kind of rate in real life. I don't know what you'd have to do. I, I guess maybe, like, what I would probably do is I would just bring... I mean, I 
I didn't change my list for both. I changed my list after round two. I used the same list for every list because I just that's that's what I wanted to fly. I didn't do anything really to adjust to my opponent. But if I really wanted to, you could do you could bring like this is what you want to fly, and then maybe some upgrades to tweak. And I don't know. Yeah, that was the one thing. Crates let you change your list. It was supposed to be after uh, round two, and then after round four for cuts. They ended up doing after round two and round three because of the rule changes that just happened in the <laughs> middle of the. Uh, right, Crate count is curse with things, rule yeah. changes, and life events. Uh, but yeah, it, in real life. I don't know if you want to like cap the amount of points you can do. So you have a lot less options for your modularity or if you straight swap upgrades on your ships or like, I don't know. Cause you can just bring like your whole binder of stuff. Right. And you got to load that around for any particular scenario. And that's kind of rough. Or you could just like cap the amount of uh, upgrades you just bring on your sideboard sort of thing. So yeah. you have like 10 upgrades that you can use on any, given game and then you gotta like time the amount of time you can build your list right in front of your opponent right to not like try to interfere with normal tournament stuff that's really strange or like how do you yeah like if your opponent sees you take out an upgrade then they're like oh i want to use this upgrade instead like i mean yeah you have to have like one of those big dungeons and dragons screens in front of your list uh so i'm not sure how you do it in real life um It'd be super cool to try in real life, and I might attempt to do it at some point. But for now, it works really well for computer and online stuff, and I like it a lot. Especially yeah. once a week games. Yeah. Did you guys up tweak your upgrades at all between rounds, or did you guys just use the same list? I definitely did. I uh, So the first round of things, I flew, uh, what was it? Silo, Breach, and Whirlwind. Because Morrowind seemed interesting. Never flew him before except once on Hexiled. And uh, Breach, I definitely... One game was Protorps. Another, because I was against three agility ships. Another game was Plasmas. Uh, but I actually think I'm going to go into the APT Ion Missile route in the future. Uh, but Plasmas, I went against... Oh, I picked them because two agility ships with uh, shields. Like, okay, yeah, that seems good for seven points. Bombs. One game I used thermals. One game I used bomblet. Just trying to like play with points because when I had cluster missiles on one game, just because they were lo- they were lower initiatives, so I was probably able to pull off a cluster missile at least have a three die attack. And Whirlwind's ability is really good with multiple attacks. Yeah. And then Silo though, uh, Silo is just always extreme maneuvers. One time I had sensors, one time I had optics, one time he had protorps. Just depends how the points worked out. Speaking of plasma torpedoes, uh, the new Boogeyman Dash hates those. <laughs> uh, man, my list, I went in with a lot of modularity. I like planned out a whole bunch of different things I could do with the list to maximize certain upgrades and certain matchups. And then... Um, just ended up playing lists where one particular list was much better choice. And that was just the list that I brought, which happened to be the same one for each time. I was running a CLT Obi, uh, Chopper on Lumi, a Veteran Tail Gunner Arc, and a Seventh Fleet Lat. And every list I went up against, like, Chopper was super useful. It really dumps 
HMPs right out of the way, and like I played a lat, so that just jammed off the target lock and just completely ruined a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, nothing likes their tokens being taken away from them. So all this planning I did was for not for my matchup so far, but in the future I can change it. I mean, I always felt like sideboarding is just going to help out ordnance carriers more than anybody else, though, and I guess small uh, small amount of aces. But mostly ordnance carriers because you can bring protorps or plasmas or APTs, and then seismics against dash or thermals against other people. Shaft missiles are better with the generics than like breach. But now that there are devices, uh, they work with feedback ping, so you might have more uses with it that way. Yeah, Matt, you changed your list halfway through, right? What were you doing? Yeah, I did the droid swarms. I did a seven ship of four vultures and then three hyenas. And the first game was, yeah, it was really good. I did really good the first game. Second game was uh, definitely a variance depending game. I, I had a good time. The opponent was really, he was a great guy, but it was, I did all the right things. I had all the proper ordnance shots. I had all the modifications and I just, I couldn't push any damage through in anything. And, you know, that was the one I ended up losing. And I'm like, okay, droids are fun, but I want to try something different. So I'm like, oh, let's fly Han Solo. So I went to Han, Luke, and Jake and been having a lot of fun with that. Han is, uh, he's pretty degenerate, especially with R2, Kane, and Trickshot. We've been saying that the entire yeah. time of this podcast. <laughs> Still really good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that, and I've been flying more rebels lately since those new A wings came out. Yeah, it's in a lot of dash with Perceptico Pilot Jen. Just you double mounted on defense. Come at me. People also put Stealth Device on it a lot too. Yeah, which you double for the points is pretty worth it. Yeah, I prefer the K two SO and uh, Kanan version, but me too. I can definitely see the uh, Perceptive Copilot Jin line of thinking. Like, even if you aren't. Uh... Like you always have Jake or Hera with you, so someone you know, to help you out. We talked about this like last podcast, right? About the point updates we did. Yeah, yeah. break out of dash. Yep, <laughs> and surprise. Yeah, He's surprise. Everywhere. We we called it again. Um. Anyways, back to just Crate Cup itself. Now that we went through what we were doing, uh, what I super like about this format is the modularity, which I think adds a complete level of new strategic depth to the game. Uh. So if you were going to play one of these formats, uh, there's just like a couple steps you'd have to figure out. Like step one is, do you want a, a low modularity list? Like I know, Matt, you're considering doing like the four ties and Vader Defender, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that has no modularity, basically. That's 200 points. And that's all yeah. you get. Now you could add Jamming Beam. Yeah, <laughs> Lol. Got him. Um, so yeah, but, but something like um, you know, one of our buddies is running like a Django, Grievous, like other ship kind of list, and there's not too many points in there because you're still going to add either Palpatine or Dooku, and those are still both 14 points. So you get a choice there, but you don't have too much um, style changes, I would say. So it's it's nice to have like low modularity ships because you already understand how to fly them presumably if you've been playing them for a bit uh you know what matchups they're good against and what bad against and all that kind of stuff but the problem is that other people can tack out their lists against you like having plasma torpedoes when you have low agility ships 
with a lot of shields or, you know, proton torpedoes if you need spike damage, all that kind of stuff. Which happened to me every time I played a guy, it would either be plasma torpedoes or cluster missiles because I have two one agility ships. And that sucks. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad they're not proton torpedoes, though, because they just nuke my Jedi right off the board. So I'm glad they chose the easier upgrades with more points left over. That's the other thing. Like, you could, like, you actually have choices about stuff like that against your list. Yeah. Um, the second step, um, if you, especially if you don't want, like, low modularity, which I think is kind of the point of the format. Um, you have to figure out how much you want, right? If you have a lot of high modularity, you have a lot of points left over, you can kind of cover your weaknesses in the chassis or, you know, be able to attack against other matchups better. Uh, but the problem is if you brought too little ships, you end up just not, you know, you screwing yourself over. If you only bought like three ships instead of like five, which would have been much more effective. Um, I do feel like Jedi have an inherent advantage to that just because they can go 7B or CLT and just like you have no idea how they're going to spend the points. And they have sense Jedi. against like ace matchups and all that kind of stuff too. Except for Crate Cup. Yes. No sense. Sense is bad. I'm just saying in general. Yes. Let's see. Uh, it'd be also, it's hard for your opponent to read, right? If you have just three ships and like 40 points worth of upgrades left over, you're there's so many different permutations that you can go through. So it makes it really difficult for people to get matched up against you if you have high modularity. But also that allows you to make really bad decisions with your lists. It's like my, yeah, my round three opponent, he had Vader in the advanced, Vault in the defender, and Faroff. And I built his list completely different than what he actually brought. And I was a little bit thrown, thrown off on that. Yeah, I mean, I played a Django double HMP, and there wasn't even a Force user on Django. I was really like, oh, God, this is completely different than what I expected. That was your round one game, wasn't it? It was. I was a little bit worried. I played so many Django's, which is fine with Jedi, because they have a lot of blue maneuvers. Yeah, I played a lot of Jedi. I got that lucky one. I got Vader in both of his forms. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, these are randomized, but they, apparently they don't seem to be. Uh, but yeah, it's, I like the high modularity, but also you have to kind of understand matchups and how to kit it out. And if you do it wrong, your game is just done. Right. So it's a very high risk, high reward kind of uh, piece. I mean, and then step three, you know, you got to figure out. Like what we were saying, what do you think your opponent's flying, right? Um, you got to cover your weaknesses, right? If you're a lot of high initiative pilots, which there is a lot of in this tournament, um, you got to make sure you're not too over-reliant on moving last. Um, you know, if they have low agility ships, like plasma torpedoes, or even like control elements like ions will help out a lot. Uh, you know, aces, if you see aces, you need spike damage, kind of stuff so you really got to determine that before you uh roll in with whatever you're bringing and i super like this a lot i just love list building so <laughs> this is just like a dream and it's list building in between games like there's just it's not just one you also like for a longer tournament 
you aren't flying the same list over and over again. You're changing it up a little bit. Yeah, your pilot's the same, but you can fly them completely different. Especially if you have like some ordnance in there. Like Ryan, Ryan Sanduszewski was in this. And he went four and zero, and he had uh, what? Why? Uh, no, Silo, yeah. Grudge, Grudge, and uh, two of the generic um, bombers. Yep. And like that, you can change up your bombs depending on your matchups. Man, that I have to go against so many bombs in the list that I went against, and just don't get hit by them. It's not hard. <laughs> There is if there's like three FO bombers low coming at you with modded um, bomb dice low. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this format so much. Um, it's so fun. I can't get enough of it. Well, I mean, as we talked about earlier, it's just I like this for online. I don't know if I'd like it in a like a six round one day tournament. Yeah, where you have to like. Now, instead of like, usually it's just like break time, you're mellowing out in between games, talking to your opponent. Now you actually have to strategize before the game and sort of takes away from just the casualness. Yeah, the casualness. Yeah, um, it's super fun. I love it. And I don't think we have, uh, do we have anything else to say about Create a Jason Cup? No, I've just, I've had a great time playing it. All my opponents have been fantastic. And yeah, I've had a good time. It's been a lot of fun. I'm sorry for letting us down. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one that was going to let us down. So, I, to be fair, to be fair, I haven't really played that much, so that's my excuse. Okay, let us play this one tournament. But us, <laughs> cool. Now here's the bulk of the fun podcast discussion, right? All the new rules they introduced in the past couple of weeks. Oh boy, very divisive for some reason people don't like change i know and it's definitely going to be something different depending on how they do the final rules because all this is still not all this a lot of this is still in the testing phase those two things that they're going to go through but they aren't going through yet because there's going to be other changes and the game will it's still going to be x-wing it's still star wars it's still tie fighters getting blown up by X-Wings in one shot. If they, like, announced all the stuff that we're going to talk about later with, like, tournament scoring and all this stuff, the reaction would have been probably much less crazy than it was because they had that one-week delay because they lost internet um, in the entire city they were in. Huge windstorm or something like that. Yeah, and everyone everyone just stewed about it over the weekend. Yeah, we had an entire week of, oh, God, all these things are going to happen, and then the other half of the rules come out and they're just like, Oh, this is not nearly as bad as you'd expect. Well, some people are like that. Yeah. I had a very visceral first impression of it. And I'm like, this is awful. I'm not going to play any games like this. And then I finally played a game with my buddy. We both, I was being a degenerate and I had dash. He was flying Obi-Wan Plo, Ahsoka broadside. I think. Yeah. There's only, there was a couple turns where it's like, okay, if Obi moves first, he's going to block dash. But if I can do, if I can go first, my three bank will cut, go past Obi and I'll be fine. He ended up going first and blocking me, but I'm like, Oh, the three bank was still probably the correct move. So mm-hmm. it was stuff like that, but it, it added a little bit of flavor to the game. And then this last week in great cup, we had, um, it was the road rules, the random yeah, order we'll, after we'll dials. We'll get into that when we talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, the first one I wanted to get out, because that's super easy, 
uh, gas clouds lost their ability to change blanks to evades. Ouch. Yeah, I know Cody's just devastated by this. Legitimately, though, like, so as aces, you already have issues engaging like a six, seven uh, ship swarm. Just because the only safe spot is range four, but your opponent does have agency. They can allow your ships not to be range four. So your other safe spot is behind a gas cloud because it, it's pretty it denies a lot of variance of just like rolling five dice and cool. I get four blanks and take one or two damage or a uh, damaged engine from full health because of a plasma <laughs> torp. I love how you cancel the crits first, too. That's the best part. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So this is definitely a big help to swarms. I mean, gas clouds are fun and all. I generally don't play super high agility, low health ships. I mean, I guess I play like the Jedi, but they're a little bit more. They have the force, right? So they're more defensive in general than other ships. So this affects me a little bit less, but that's it's great for ships with lower attack dice, right? Because they're no longer adding that blank to evade, so you can hit them a little bit better. So I'm wondering if you're going to take gas clouds if you have low uh, low attack dice on your ships. You know who else this really helps out? He's a boogeyman. Dash. <laughs> Dash. <laughs> yep. Yep. That too. Mm-hmm. I'll still bring debris with dash, but yeah, if you bring gas, yeah, clouds, I would still prefer debris in general because other people dash. don't want other people don't want to run over the debris and get stressed. Whereas dash doesn't care about the yeah, but yeah, and also Han with the strain, he can just re-roll, if he rolls a hit, he can just re-roll it. Not that I'm going to take gas clouds yeah. with Han, but <laughs> I mean, I also think it helps out uh, like low agility ships because it kind of just. You take one train, that's fine. Whatever, I'm only rolling one dice. And you know, this does really hurt my Ray, who always had an evade with gas clouds. Because <laughs> I just put that fin blank right there, and I just turned it to an uh, an evade. Hey, well, that's what, that's fair. What will you do? What will you yeah. do now? Now you have to take off stealth device because it's less consistent. <laughs> Legitimately, yeah. But uh, this is really interesting. Like. If you have strikers and reapers, right? There's no reason not to take gas clouds anymore because you can blue maneuver off the strain, right? And they don't get as much of a benefit. It's better to strain your opponent than to stress them in a fair amount of cases. I mean, I I do think this just makes gas clouds pretty useless in general. Like strikers and reapers are probably the only exception. Everybody else, uh, you either pick asteroids. And if you have like a special way of ignoring the uh, the stress, then you bring debris. Like Han, Ray, they bring debris. Uh, debris. Dash if brings I, debris. If I start flying tie swarms again, I'll probably bring uh, gas clouds with the tie swarm, just because you have Iden there. Take the strain, whatever. Fly over it. I do like a if you like know how to fly it well. I do like bigger asteroids because you can corral aces. Alex taught me that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, you should. I don't see why not. You you wouldn't bring like the three largest obstacles right now. Or at least the three largest asteroids, unless there's a specific reason not to. Yeah, I took the gas clouds out of my um, go into eternal box and I just put the three biggest rocks in there now. 
I will say it's better for backwards tailslide Poe, though. Because you don't have the 50% chance damage of taking out the asteroid, and you don't need to get stressed with them. Because you're probably already getting stressed going through it, barrel rolling it. Um, I guess the bigger question is, why are you bringing tailslide Poe? Backwards tailslide Poe is not actually bad. Backwards tailslide is shockingly good. It was probably better when you got a free evade after going through the gas cloud. Well, you still get the free evade. Oh, you get an evade token. Right. You don't get the blank to evade. Yeah, well, whatever. Don't take the strain, then you're fine. Now you're obstructed. I know it's not as good, but like backwards hill slide is a shockingly good upgrade. I think it's underrated. I'll take um, your word for it. I haven't tried it yet. Right. Also, I guess if the swarm, like the droid meta happens to get really big, I guess you could always bring gas clouds again. If you really want. But that seems bad. So, uh, big discussion here. Random order after dials. Road. Um, it is finalized. It is written in the rules, even though they didn't release a new like rules reference. Um, and they also stated that there's never going to be cards in the game that will change the rules you roll for them. So that's some form of solace. I guess you can't, could take. Can't do the roads, or I think someone was suggested doing that. I'm like, do do these people not read the cards? <laughs> no, I'm gonna haunt it. Okay. Yeah, I'm near I'm, an asteroid. I get to re-roll these three dice. Yeah, Han's the one rolling the dice. Obviously. Yeah. I'm definitely not. If he's the last ship, he's the one rolling the dice automatically, right? <laughs> or can I use Palpatine to change the focus to a hit? That'd be worse. Yeah. Wait. What? <laughs> No, because the focus I'll is... Allow it. Oh, yeah, no, no, you want to... It goes crit focus hit for right. most. So and you're the changing one a better wins. result to a worse result. No, no, because, like, if you have... It's to go play a once, oh, that's you actually true. want to lose yeah, it. Yeah, I guess you can do that. You can... Anyway, this is a stupid discussion. Yeah, um, <laughs> The pros of Road, there's a fair amount of them. They're cool. Um, it does create a game state where no one has actually perfect information. Which is huge. Legitimately, right. like that's completely underrated because I, I know everybody wants to play a single player game it, when they're playing multiplayer games because uh, it's easier. But like it, the inherent advantage when you have so much control over everything else of having perfect information is. Yeah, this is like the biggest like plus that you can have for road is just not levels out the playing field, but it makes it so you don't have perfect information, right? And I, I've, I've been on both sides of this where the, like the feels bad, or I've been the one like giving out the feels bad. It's like, there's like what, there's nothing you can do when I come up with like a 13 point bid and you just can't ever catch my ships. And then I've been on the same end where it's like, Oh yeah, I caught you. It's like, Oh, Nope. Wait, what if I just barrel roll boosted out of here? So that stuff like that is not new players do not like experiencing that because it feels like like what there's nothing I can do to stop you from just running a train on. And I'm sorry if I'm moving after all your ships and I barrel boosts out of your ship's arc. That's not skill. <laughs> it's literally I know where your ship's at. Like it's just I know where our ships are at. Like. There's no skill involved in that. But I have to figure out which order I boost and barrel roll. I know all, all my all my quips now. I can't say stuff like "Look at watch how I earned this arc dodge with my." You can if bit. your opponent rolls first and they went for the didn't go for the block. <laughs> Look at how skillful I am at rolling three dice. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, not having perfect information, I think, is really great. I mean, there's other ways of like mitigating that, but we'll get to that later. Also, you know, it does allow for like high initiative ships that wouldn't traditionally move last to move last, and that could be a benefit to you. Mm-hmm. X Wedge is a pretty good example. He yeah, doesn't I mean, usually bid. Huh? I mean, yeah, we were yeah. talking about a few last cast of like I sixes that you know they don't mind moving first and jousting, but if they can move last, it's nice. Like Han, yeah. Wedge, Quick Draw, Dangar. Yeah, I mean, even in certain situations, like uh, like Obi Wan, like at a CLT Obi Wan, like he wants to move last, but there's other ways of like mitigating that. That where it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Or like a Delta B, I guess, would be a better example. Um, CLT actually requires you to do things. Uh, you know, Seven B, it's they can joust, but also they can just arc dodge things depending on what the scenario is. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I know at Worlds, what was it, two years ago now? Three years ago? Ugh. Gosh. Um, I went against uh, Boba Fenn, and I had double sense Jedi. Uh, <laughs> and because I was moving first, he didn't get to play the game. Right. Like, he legitimately, he shot, like, the first two turns, and then I perma-blocked, I controlled where his arcs were, and I just, like, destroyed him. Like, there was nothing he could do. Yeah. This at least, like balances that out a little bit because I might not just be blocking you the entire game. Right. And which allows for things like trying to bluff or read your opponent, which they put as a, as a pro that now there's more of this, which I guess is cool. I don't, I'm pretty neutral on it. And I know a lot of people say this just sort of like creates a lot of randomness. Like there's like good people are going to get like, messed up with this but like you can maneuver in ways to minimize if you go first or second if you just have to think a ton in advance but you can just like position your ship so you have maneuvers whether you go first or second and it is going to open up the door a lot for like system phase stuff so your Eda's just got a huge buff with this the fo bomber did kid annie hopefully advanced sensors goes away but yeah, it, it does create a new like tactical decision making tree where do you really want to take the more aggressive move with a really high like payoff if you moved first or second, or do you want to make like a more neutral, safer move that won't net you more rewards, but it doesn't matter if you're moving first or second. And that's a pretty interesting tactical style that didn't really exist too much in this game. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's where most of your skill is going to have to lie then. Which is cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sucks that we've learned all these skills about blocking and then also catching things to move after you. But that's just less. I mean, it's still there. It's just a little bit less applicable. Less applicable, but I mean, you got new skills to learn, so it's not going to be. It doesn't get stale. Yeah. I mean, also, all this just applies to same initiative, obviously. There's been games that I... Yeah, a fair amount of games. I play stupid, weird lists where I just don't have overlapping initiative. I mean, in that case, it does cause issues with uh, ship abilities or just, like, the uh, ability queue. Yeah. Like, Snap Tarani. 
Like one time, snap activates first. Other time, fine tune controls activates first. Yeah, like we've had a few. We've had a few games like that where, like, do the foresight inquisitors go before your snap Tarani? Do I get my full throttle before you? Like when we when I play Vader Defender versus your snap Tarani, like, okay, is this the turn where I'm going to be able to get my evade before you shoot type thing? Which is the whole point of my list, because if I went first, then you get snapshotted and railgun, and if I went second, you get terrocked, and now all of that doesn't really mean much, annoyingly. <laughs> it's less of a hard decision, more of a, well, I guess this is happening now kind of thing. So you lose a little bit of um, that nuance in list building. But, yeah, it is what it is. Also, if you're blocking Tarani, who has snapshot, that's totally fine with me, too. <laughs> that's That's okay whatever um so yeah i think because of this it might curtail like really ace heavy lists or like swarm lists right like you can't go like full-on ace like triple aces effectively as you could before um if there's a possibility of ships moving after you right i mean i did it I said as effectively, not impossible. I mean, people will still do it. <laughs> yeah. I, and then the other thing to take into account with all this is there's going to be other rule changes with this. Like the other one is uh, you get a focus if you bump. If that's true. That's well, proposed. That, yeah. That helps out aces because now they don't just instantly blow up if they get bumped. I'm fine with Kirk Taylor back just strictly aces and strictly swarmless. That's fine with me, but... Um, I think that it will happen a little bit more because, I mean, you people will still bring it. I just, it's going to be less good. Yeah. And like the people who are like good at this game are still going to be good at the game. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm good because I have a 15 point bid. Yeah. It's the only reason I'm good. I'm good because you make the wrong decisions and making me go first. Uh, it's not a decision. <laughs> right. Uh, so here's some of the cons of road, which I think are a little bit more legitimate points than a lot of stuff I've seen online. Um, it does kind of shaft a certain matchups like, uh, easiest way of putting this, like if you have like a straight, you know, jousting tie swarm against a straight jousting tie swarm, right? There's a certain point where you're just like, well, I could two straight and like block this entire, you know, all the stuff and then they get no mods. Or if you're like, if you're moving first, you do the two straight and block everything. If you're moving last, you just do the 4K for when they come in. Now it's not a decision you can make like that. I mean, you just end up doing the safer move and you both end up two straighting. I mean, it is the turn before. Because now, like, I have to position myself so I do the, what, four straight instead of the five straight. So this way I have room to do the two straight if they do the two. Like, you have more chess options. It's not just, you can't look at it like this turn. Oh, I can't do the 4K because he's blocking my 4K. It's, oh, I could have positioned myself better last turn so I could do the, the 4K would fit either i move first or second yeah i mean this is like a super straight simple scenario but yeah you should have sort of accounted for that but it does feel really bad if you're like well in this what we've gotten here you know maybe your opponent 
did the five straight instead of the four straight in order to counteract you doing the four straight instead of the five straight or whatever, you know. Um, it just kind of feels bad that you're like, well, it's kind of up to a die roll if I get blocked and now I'm stressed or if I do the blocking and I have all the mods. It just kind of sucks, which I which I understand. Um, which is also why I think it'll curtail some swarm lists, but that's a different thing. We also have gotten away from sort of black swarms for the past year. We've talked about that. Yeah, it was because everyone has like free mods now, so there's no reason to do that. Yep. Um, you know, just just the, it was just a simple scenario. Um, and also, you get this weird thing with um, like same initiative, like one on one pilots, where one of them's much more of an ace than the other guy. You know, like uh, Sienery, right? Super fragile interceptor doesn't get extra bonus mods like Zuntir or whatever. And you have like Wedge, who just is there. They have the same pilot skill. Um, you know, and because Wedge isn't really like an A style ship, he has, you know, more health, less agility kind of stuff to make him last longer. So it's actually worth your money. Uh, it gets really wonky when Wedge starts arc dodging you because you have to dial in like a two straight because you don't know where Wedge is going to be or you can't intentionally bump where he's going to be. Or conversely, if you're trying to bump and take the target lock on them, because you know they're going to hit you, you can't really do that much anymore. Yeah, and Wedge usually has friends like Jake to give him mods before he even moves. So if he's moving last, he can just be like, oh, well, I've got to focus and I barrel rolled out of your arc. So, yeah, I mean, this is more like a one on one kind of thing, but mm -hmm. like it's just kind of a if you get to that board state, it's just like, well, great, cool. I'm not being able to do too much here. Believe it or not, you can arc dodge if you move first. Yeah, but if you're going against like a double repositioning interceptor, it's a little bit harder. I mean, yeah, you like if Wedge is moving first, which he typically does, it's harder. But if like Wedge, even if Wedge is moving second, you can generally arc dodge him if it's a one on one scenario. Yeah. It just, it, it's a very difficult kind of matchup that is just like, well, this happens this is out of my control why this is happening kind of I thing. Mean, the nice thing, though, is Wedge actually has a chance in that matchup, too, though, because right now, if Sienna is moving after Wedge, like you might as well just forfeit the game or hope your opponent just severely messes up. Right. It's just I don't know. I, I'm just looking for cons and it's like some of the matchups get a little wonky when you examine them. You know, that's not going to happen every game, probably. So, um, Also, obviously, there's going to be a lot more bumping in this game, and that's generally not fun. Time-consuming. It, it eats up a lot of time to adjust all that kind of stuff. Especially in real life. Right. Yep. So, that's that's that will happen a lot more. Um, also... It does incentivize, you know, safer move options, right? Things like one straights, which generally favor like heavy jousting lists. So it's like the lack of options they would. I mean, they have a lot more. They're less penalized for having like safer move options. Like rebels can one straight and be a range three shot and have all these mods, or they can like two straight and be a range two. But it doesn't matter if like they just one straight kind of thing. Uh, but you know, you could just be aggressive, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, are you saying oh. invest in rebels? <laughs> you already did. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's also like poker in a one-on-one. Like the more aggressive player wins more often than the passive player or the. Uh, well, they, they fixed defensive. a lot of this with the way they're scoring in tournaments, which is super awesome, which we'll get to later on. Yep. Um, also, you know, system phase and pre-dial movement is significantly stronger, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. You know, like Phantoms, Edas, FO Bombers. I guess for the one player playing BB-8, you know, they're uh, much better at adapting to the results immediately than every other ship. Hey, those regular BB unit. Didn't BB-8 get cheaper, too? I mean, at some point. I'm not sure if he's cheaper than he was last round, but still. Seven points. No, I mean, uh, the pilot <laughs> BB-8. The oh. one that could move during the system phase. Oh, yeah. I was thinking BB-8 droid. Never mind. Ignore yeah. me. Like I said, the one person who plays BB-8. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I guess BB-8 as well, but that's more of like an after the dial thing. Pre-dial, yeah. But like system phase move, it's so much better now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially on like those bombers, right? You're just like, well, I'm moving first, so now I'm going to boost this direction instead of doing the other way. Sensitive controls, like sensitive controls, Kylo is no longer just a meme. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also you have uh, like vectored cannons on the A-wings as well. Still no, still no benefit for that tie elite config though. Sad. Once it's negative points. Ah, uh, please no. Uh, I don't know if I'd take it even if it gave negative points. Well, then you have three defenders. Yeah, I mean that's fine because they don't have free evades. They're just I seven still health ships. Uh, still rough. And they are not double tapping if the I ones. Sorry. <laughs> Unless you let them. If you let them, by all means, like. Yeah, well, you lost that. Good job. Uh, but also, as we were mentioning earlier, right, like Strikers, Reapers, Kid Anakin, that BB-8 Astromech, or just BB Astromech, you know, stuff that does. The Republic Astromech. Yeah. The stuff that does the uh, pre-movement chains. Guys, welcome to the VED meta. <laughs> VED fossil, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, those get significantly increased. Especially, I don't know, I love Reapers. I've been playing a lot of Reapers lately. They're so fun. And they just block really hard. But especially if you know if you're moving first or last. It's really good. Especially like Dodges. You should fly five of them. No, I will do four with Light and Dree. Okay, that's so much better than five. You do four with who? Light and the tie heavy that gives oh, you rerolls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you should. You sent me that list. Yeah, you just do four of them with jam and then light and with a tractor beam. It all fits at 200. You know, I played against five Reapers. I had like Breach, Whirlwind, and uh, Kylo. And Breach with a Pro Torp did like six damage to a Reaper first turn. Well, yeah, I mean, they have, you're, you're good. <laughs> they have one agility, um, but they're fun. They're silly, especially if you just perma jam everyone on the board because they're all going to be range one of one Reaper somewhere. Yeah, and don't they also have uh, like five Reapers in ISB fit now? Yeah, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, it's it's silly. Don't don't play that, people. It's it's my list. Um, uh, I've seen somebody playing it before. Oh, now the four Reapers would lighten. That's my oh. list. That thing. That's that's. I got to put that on the table. I just got to find three more Reapers. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, um, ships, again, with certain upgrades, like the BBA, the advanced uh, sensors, you know, Cassian, Season Navigator, Informant, 
Snoke even, I guess. Uh, they're a lot better um, with these changes. Although there is a caveat that AMG said they're going to either ban or restrict pretty much all those. So, but in theory, they're better. And also because there's going to be a lot more bumping, ships that don't mind if they bump, like Boba Fett, uh, Nora, even the half topper gets benefits when people hit them. Uh, they're now better. Oh, don't get a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Like anything that just benefits for things being in range zero. Zeb on Hera with intimidation. Gargor. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, like Nora is totally fine with all these ships just being bumped around her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give, give her them of AIDS. The scary one is that Boba Fett really doesn't care. That's the problem. He doesn't. If he moves last cool, he can like boost away and still shoot you. But if he bumps you, whatever, he gets free mods. Isn't that an upgrade? If you bump, you can still take an action for damage. Uh, Brabble Chopper. Like the the crew is stressed. or Uncar Plot. I think I'm thinking Uncar Plot. Yeah, that's the bump a ship, take a damage, do an action. But Boba Boba doesn't have a crew slot anymore, and he's not he's unplayable. Nobody <laughs> nobody flies Boba Fett anymore. This Boba Fett is basically dead. Drop him four points, please. No, stop! Don't, don't do that. That'd no, be terrible. stop. <laughs> um, also, ships with passive mods and force will suffer significantly less when they're getting blocked. But keep in mind, this still isn't the finished rules, so they right. can do things to mitigate that. But my problem is that I feel like this will create a lot more homogeneity in lists. Like, there's going to be a lot more things with passive mods to mitigate that you're getting bumped, or things with coordinate so it doesn't matter if you move first or last or whatever kind of stuff like that what hmm? if they made some rule that if you're if you're a force user and you're at range zero of a ship you're not allowed to use your force tokens <laughs> every ship is now coroner jacks that's my concern is that there's going to be just like even more lists just being exactly the same don't they already like aren't we already going to just more passive mods anyways because passive mods are really good. Yeah. What if I could just boost and still get a mod? Yeah, but now what if I massively benefit by, like, not blocking or blocking now? It's Like I said, this is still a work in progress. So they could still have things like, oh, like, here's a focus if you get blocked. Yeah. Because they talked about it and how bumping was an unintentional part yeah, of the game. Yeah, it was a game. discovered element of the game and not, like supposed to be like this huge skill based thing yep and honestly it is pretty feels bad to just like bump 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 and this is sort of making it more feels bad but if you have some interaction to balance out the bumping then it might not be too bad it's still a wait and see especially for new people like it's it's just disheartening when you're playing a new person on on your end to just oh you bumped your ship like, sorry, you're not getting an action or they they're new and they messed up their formation. And they bumped themselves. It's like, oh, sorry, you're not getting an action. Now I'm just going to come in and just wreck your ship. Oh, man, you bumped Tarani and the other ship moved a second to range two. That sucks. I'm just going to railgun all your stuff. And you have no choice about it because you bumped into Tarani. Yeah. I've just that's my biggest concern is if it just creates 
more or less that are exactly the same. Uh, I I don't think so. I don't think we could more than we already have been. Well, hopefully it'll be that way where there's a lot more unique and creative things instead of everything just having like, you know, every list has, every Republic list has like Obi-Wan and Nita kind of thing. That wouldn't be fun. Don't forget Anakin too. Yeah, I mean, I'm just just throwing out a random example. Um, also, new news, you know, they're banning and restricting cards. They already said that things that are going to change dials or dial peak will be banned, if not restricted. And they straight up just said Luke Hunter is definitely banned forever. Oh, uh, poor Luke. I assume they're just going to release a new Luke Gunner at some point. Or just a new Luke in general. Yeah. Maybe we'll get old Ben. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's you can just create a new Luke Gunner and call Luke Future Episode 6 Gunner. Who knows? Uh, so that's good because that mitigates a lot of the problems that people had with you know advanced sensors in road kind of thing. So that's a good change. I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, I imagine like Kid Annie will be fine, but anything like it that just lets you like supernatural reflexes, I can't imagine not oh, being banned. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be banned. <laughs> Supernatural precog. I mean, we're already playing with it right now at Great Cop, and it's it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. They also talked about some of the OP and scenarios, which was super cool. Um, they're getting rid of hyperspace, as we assumed. It's just going to be abandoned, restricted, and that will be actually standard. Extended will be like they said, like the Wild West. It's presumably going to be unrestricted. So I guess you're like you know standard format and magic and like legacy kind of thing or vintage. Um, so that's cool. At least we don't have to keep saying hyperspace. It's kind of a silly word. Um, and also they mentioned that scenarios uh, will be a central component in competitive, which opens up a whole new depth and tactics and strategy, which is going to be exciting. I'm pretty excited about yeah. that. Uh, they said that one format will pretty much always be the standard dogfight, but at least two other scenario-based formats will exist. And in scenarios, you can also score points instead of just scoring points off killing the opponent's ships, which is nice. My only concern is that they don't, I hope they just don't run these tournaments like concurrently where you're forcing players to choose either scenario or dogfighting and instead space it out so one tournament will be dogfighting, one will be scenario play, kind of stuff like that. I mean, it also be like we have to see the scenarios, but the scenarios might be dogfighting with extra things because yeah. let's be real, like, if two squadrons run into each other, there's usually a reason something there to force one of the squadrons to be attacking. It's not just, um, well, I'm here. Yeah, I hope it's more like there's things to do that you can, like, maybe have your ship by this, you know, large thing, X amount of uh, turns in a row to score points instead of, like, this is a game of X-Wing soccer. So now we're going to play this as our scenario. Whoever wins X-Wing Soccer is going to advance. They they had those um, in first edition when you bought ships, certain ships. They had like mm-hmm. missions you could do that. I never, I never played them, but they all seem pretty fun. Yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff they implemented in those lists or those uh, scenarios. So I'm sure they're going to probably take a fair amount of stuff like that. Like escorting a dignitary on a shuttle or something like that. 
or like, oh, Palpatine's on this shuttle and this is our chance to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. I just hope it's more serious based scenarios than like X-Wing soccer, because I think that's silly. I wouldn't want to do a whole tournament on that. I wouldn't want to either. I would much rather do like oddball or King of the Hill kind of style games. What about Death Race? That would be awesome. <laughs> I would do that just because that's a great silly format. But here's a super good thing that they did. What I like, they changed the scoring or they're going to change the scoring for tournaments and stuff. So one uh, point tracking and note taking will be allowed. So that's nice. And you also can't get, you know, your points back if you regen over half points. If you have like an R2 astromech or something or an R5. I was super happy about that. Yep. But you're playing Han, Matt. That might actually matter. I mean, yeah, like the last game, if he had half time, he would have needed if he had gotten three damage through on Han, I wouldn't have been able to regen Han above half, but it didn't happen. So. But the most important thing they're doing is like point thresholds. You don't exactly know what point thresholds specifically what they'll be but they did say that there's not going to be final salvo there's going to be systems that allow for ties so long as you like score above a certain point threshold so you can't like half health one ship and run away from the entire game and then like tie on that somehow you'd also score points off certain destruction thresholds in your games so the more you destroy of your opponents list like Essentially, the more aggressive you are, but like the more points you strip off your opponent, the more points you'll get, which makes sense. So it, it incentivizes like really trying to go for the win and really, you know, regardless of if you're going to win or lose, because you're still going to get points. You're really trying to get as many ships as you can. Which is that's going to be an interesting one for me, because like in the notes, it's people who lose games can still have more points than people who win every game. Yes. Which is cool. So that tells me, like, it's just like if you win, you get plus two points, where it's one, three, five for like these thresholds or whatever. Right. Cause and they're not doing it off MOV anymore, I believe. So I mean, maybe they might, it might not be MOV, but it might be like uh, instead of 200 to 154, I just look at the 200, you look at the 154 plus any points that the objectives give us. But also, this isn't going to be a death of aces by any means. Mm-hmm. Like how many times have we played nine rounds in 25 minutes and there's a total destruction? Yeah, I think they said there's going to be like thresholds, like more than one threshold in a game. That if you go across, you get more and more points, the more and more you kill. So that's even better. It's not even like, oh, you killed half his lifts. Here's you know five points. It was more like oh, you killed a quarter of his list. Here's this killed half. Here's this here. Three quarters kind of thing. I am curious because if there's an emphasis more on scrambling for points instead of giving up points, mm-hmm. defenders lose a lot of value. Because right now, defenders' entire value is they don't do much damage because it's just a, uh, an expensive three die gun, but they also don't die unless you're Darth Vader. But yeah, um, it's definitely more towards going for points over not giving up points, which is good. That's kind of what the game needed. Um, there's obviously still going to be a time limit for tournaments because that's how you run tournaments. But it's um, I like those changes a lot. 
And now I can see why maybe they would say, yeah, nine rounds for a game instead of like 12 or 15, right? I guess 12 rounds for a game instead of nine or 15, you know, because more aggression, more, more stuff like that. Yeah. And if you start like letting us get 20 rounds, then we could just like make so many points off of scenario points and all that. Yeah. that... But I think this is also just applicable to straight up dogfights. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, here's the last thing we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but there's, there's some rules they're kicking around that aren't official yet. Um, one of them is bumping. Um, obviously they know there's going to be a lot more bumps. So they're, one of their ideas would be to allow ships to take a focus or calculate action if they bumped. Um, I would assume for some sort of drawback, but you can also not have it for drawbacks. I did hear, like, you take a stress. I don't know where I heard it from. Well, I think uh, it'd be, like, one of the things they mentioned. is like, you know, maybe take a focus and a stress or something if you bump. Which makes sense. There's still, like, a consequence for doing it. It's right. Just, you don't, like, have a swarm fortressing right here because, well, you're going to be screwed next round. Yeah, like you can't. Well, it's also another bad thing for the swarm if you all bump. You can't take the focus and then also stress because you can't K-turn the next turn, and they can. Mm -hmm. So it's still kind of rough on that scenario. But that'd be that'd be interesting, I guess. Uh, the other one they would do is range zero attacks, where you could still shoot at range zero without the range bonus. And then people who have range zero attacks already would get some sort of buff. I would assume the range bonus or something like Oiken or Arvel or whatever. Yeah, because I said they want to, like, because these pilots already have innately yeah. shooting at range zero ability, so they want to do something extra for them to make them feel special. I wonder if a Zeb crew will get the range one bonus if you decide to put it on there. Because that would just be super good for one point, right? If you're going to mm -hmm. be bumping anyways, I'll just get a range bonus. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, the, the biggest concern I would have if you did the taking a focus after bumping is that a lot of things with focus-based abilities are much better now. Like Hera still gets her focus now that she could pass, or Garvin, or Kyle Katarn, or like Obi-Wan still has a focus that he can use his force to regen. Uh, Paylob becomes much better because everyone's still focusing. Like that's their only action they could take, right? Paylob is one to two? Not zero to two, right? Zero to two. Ah, oh, dang. Rough. In, in arc, yeah. Well, one of the arcs, obviously. You probably are putting the moldy crow on him. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. No, Man. maybe. I've ran, ran him without moldy crow a bunch of times, but he was on a four-ship list that included Snapshot Tarani and Tarok. So there's a lot of token stripping. <laughs> That's why you... like Stuff like this, though, is why there has to be some sort of repercussion. Right. Is like, perceptive co-pilot... Like perceptive co-pilot, yeah, we talk about dash. Like, I still have focus of aid. I'm still shooting you. Uh, okay. Granted, dash range zero would only hold two dice. Well, no, because his ability says you ignore the range bonus at range one. So you're at range zero. You're not at range one. Cough. Oh, gosh. Um, but also, like advanced optics is just better now because you have the focus token. So, like by extension, it's easy. Or like Biston, if you get blocked, you can still use it because you can still do a focus. 
Also, Dash's ability does say range zero to one. Oh, okay. Just in case. Say, like, oh yeah, just in case. Why don't people bring that? Yeah, that's there. You go. My bad. I thought it's. I thought it was just the ignore the range one bonus. Could you imagine five die range zero dash coming at you at <laughs> I five? <laughs> just pump dash into everyone. Or like the generic. <laughs> Uh, yikes um, but yeah it's just like for that kind of stuff like the focus based stuff it seems kind of wonky kind of now you're elevating pilots that are already doing pretty well I mean obviously you change it with points to you know bump them up but like is this kind of I don't know maybe you'll have a, a reason to play Manaru now right because you're always going to get your focus to pass off to every other ship that's bumping around her man I forgot she existed yeah, well, if she's did. bumping and like they can do range zero attacks. Well, I'm means... just saying if if this is just the bumping for focuses and calculates, oh, yeah. then and, like then someone could play Manaru. Well, that's why it's sort of hard to actually like get opinions on this mm-hmm. because we don't know all the changes. We right. only know like bits and pieces. We don't know finals. Like I'm just speculating. Know... Yeah. But even like on the calculate path, right? Because the hyena droids and all that kind of stuff, they share calculates. That's super good for them. They don't want to get blocked if they're off a rock or something, right? Mm-hmm. IGs would love to get double calculates, even if they bump. Uh, Lebo is almost playable. Almost playable. He'll still get his calculates that he can use basically infinitely. But also, like, you bump someone, you get a calculate, and now you can still shoot a Discord missile. Which is kind of rough, or like energy shell charge, right? Or any like prockets. I guess the good thing about discards is because it's the threes, it's a little bit hard to. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to discard the person you bumped, but you can still hit the row behind them. Boom. Yeah. Also, like K2B4, the one that like you can spend calculates to add an evade add unless your opponent takes the strain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is significantly better. Mm hmm. If you just always have calculates. And it also makes that one guy who, like, the pinata one, a little bit less good. I guess if that's a that's a benefit. So I'm just a little weary about those kind of things, because, uh, dude, if my IGs get blocked and still I can pass calculate tokens around whoever is the better shot, that's totally fine. It does bring up a question. What happens to go on? What about strikers? Yeah. Like, strikers are maneuvers. Like they can block, take a focus, and it doesn't matter really what the repercussion is. Do a blue maneuver and take an evade. Now you don't need Gorn. I mean, they could also probably just specify in your perform action stuff. So that gets around that. True, but still, like it's it's a little testy, especially if you have presented co-pilot like optics and stuff like that, where it's mm-hmm. like you actively benefit from just block like hitting people. But also, like, there's us. There's some abilities in this game that are like, if your opponent doesn't have tokens, and that's kind of like their whole shtick, that's going to get significantly weaker too. Like, you know, fair off and Vermeil, whispers, right? The entire whisper chassis, <laughs> Luminara, Django, people who like debuff you, um, now are just significantly worse. Well, not like significantly worse. I mean, the whisper will be significantly worse, but. Just, yeah, like, have fun activating Vermeil's ability once or twice a game. I mean, Vermeil's still high four, so shoots after other things, and he usually has Vader to make sure. God, that's so many points. 
Uh, somewhere there's Vader. Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, like, Terok could be much better if his ability was range zero. <laughs> Sad. Got him. Playtesting works in advance. Years later. <laughs> totally intended. Um, but yeah, just... Those kind of things are a little irksome. I'm not a... Uh, I play a lot of Luminara, so people having focus tokens are just tragic for me. That's why you have people above her who are shooting the target. Yeah, but like still people can just natty out or not roll natty focus results. Now they're shooting me and then Luminara dies in two shots and then it's very sad. Brought this whole ship for nothing. But yeah, it's just kind of weird. Uh, range zero attacks is interesting but i'm not entirely i don't know i would like the focus calculate bump one more than i would like range zero attacks honestly it does kill my target lock for next turn uh yeah a lot of i think it also kind of curtails the entire strategy of going big if you go second or doing the safe maneuver Mm -hmm. like it disincentivize blocking which is fine i guess but so does them having a focus or calculate action i'm not i'm not about range zero attacks unless i'm nora when i'm like well whatever i get the evade it's fine all my ships like low agility ships just super die if you do range zero attacks regardless of their movement first or last because if you do block with low agility ships you're just still getting shot at and if they block you you're still just getting shot at but you have less of an advantage because you're only one agility. Yeah. Well, at least he gets a reinforce. If you have Tua, which you should probably do. Tua or Dauntless. Or Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> My favorite rack. Uh, but yeah, just... Uh, hmm. Sure, focus, calculate first stress is an option you can do. I just would strongly prefer not the range zero. All my ships die already too fast. I don't want them to die faster. So is there um, anything else you want to talk about the rules? I think they're pretty positive change. I really like the tournament scoring a lot. Um, and it makes everything that they talked about a little bit earlier much better. I do think it's closer to like X-Wing 2.5, 3.0 than anything else with some of these core changes. Um, it's going to be weird to see how they do this without changing pilots right now, without a massive added to a lot of pilots and upgrades. Yeah, it's going to be kind of the other annoying part is that they're if they do these things like this, they will have to errata certain ships and stuff, and that kind of sucks. Nobody yeah. likes that. And I'm not necessarily against changes because a lot of these changes seem like they actually do seem like it's going to get rid of some of the core issues that X-Wing has and always has had. Yeah. It's like, just, we have to see the full thing to actually grasp it. Yeah, I mean, the the threshold scoring also really curtails a lot of the incentive for um, fortressing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, re it's really making good steps in the right direction. I think that's it. Unless we have uh, any additional final thoughts? I do not. Cool. 
Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you have any uh, questions or comments, you can email us at thebestmanbenchwarmers at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitch, Twitter, and my Benchwarmers. And don't forget to rate us any podcasting services you have. Thanks for listening. Have a great one, everybody. Take it easy. Go blue. Go blue.